I'm going to hit record. I, I don't want to do a whole Noom thing, even though, you know, they're our sponsor. We were just talking to Dan here about his Noom journey. Um, but it is remarkable how quickly, and I know women hate this, how quickly men start to lose weight. Yeah. As I was just saying before we hit, hit record that I saw you a couple of weeks ago and I could already see that you'd lost some weight and now you've, you're going even further uh, on your weight loss journey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> just while I'm targeting a, a weight that I don't think I've been in it uh, since I was a teenager now. Well, dude, may I call yeah. you dude? Yeah, call me dude. I saw the other dude here yesterday in person for the first time in a while. And, How was uh, that? Skinny. Where this this is I said to him, I said, Look at you, skinny Fred. And he said, Look at you. Is we are both honestly I, I didn't I can't remember what his what's your weight? One sixty five or something? Sixty eight five or something. So he's one sixty eight. I'm one seventy what did I say I was? One seventy eight today. And I said to Fred, I said, This is as light as we've been since we were probably in our twenties, certainly in our thirties. So as you floated around your apartment there. Uh, <laughs> That's right. We just, Fred gets, we're just bouncing off the walls, man. This true so light. Very light. And chases you. Yeah, we're very light. Bounces you up into the air with his nose. Um, uh, Stan, my, uh, hey, did you, did you, Stan got so excited to see Fred. It was the sweetest thing. Fred is a dog whisperer. Dogs are attracted to, to him in a special way. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true, yeah. Even even up here at the lake, now that uh, my dog Clifford knows that, you know, that uh, Fred's coming up here, <clears throat> I let him out the door in the morning. First thing he does is go over and see if Fred's there. Uh-huh. The you car know, drives by, sort of, then he that? wants to go outside. And uh-huh. The car drives by, he wants to go outside and see, see if, if it's uh, Freddie. What were you saying, Freddie? No, uh... What he does now, too, is if, like, a uh, guy up there, Tom, uh, his dog died over the winter. He got a new pup. So I was making a fuss over this golden retriever pup. And Clifford comes right over and gets in between us. And, like, he will not tolerate me petting another dog. And then Bruce Mallory came down with this little tiny poodle thing. And I'm, oh, cute little poodle. Like, same thing. He walks right between us and stands there. Um, no, I'm just going to make not a, allowed to do that. I'm just going to make a comment. I'm not going to hit. We're not going to start again. But that microphone doesn't sound as good as your regular microphone. I can just tell you that right now. And you know, it's funny, Dan. It's one of the mics that we stopped using here. Yeah. Um, and he's taken home. He, that's one of the reasons Fred came by was to get some equipment. Uh, you know, we can play around with it. I'm just letting you know it sounds a little bit muddier. Um. You know, I've 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 always thought that I had a, an affinity for animals. I've had them all my life, and, and dogs generally like me. I'm pretty good with them. Clifford and I get along, but I would tell yeah. you, there's two or three people, Fred being one of them, that over the course of Stan's life, because Stan's a different dog. We all know that. He's a sweet, sweet soul, but boy, he's a strange animal. And um, Fred's one of three people that Stan, and I, we were talking about this yesterday, Fred got imprinted somewhere in Stan's puppyhood and Fred every time he comes in he, Fred he, Stan makes such a fuss over Fred it's crazy like so like Dan, when Dan comes over you know he'll say hi and he kind of gets excited but he was leaping <laughs> you know hey Freddie he was like I at one point it was almost like he was crying yeah yeah <laughs> it was it was sweet and you don't know what to do because it's it's almost 
he's under stress or something. I don't know. <laughs> but he's always under stress. He's, yeah, yeah, somewhat, you know. He's always seems to be on the edge of some kind of frightening experience. Um, it, was, uh, it was nice to see him because, I don't know, how long has it been since I've seen him last? Like, I, I see him, like, in two-month intervals or whatever. Yeah. And he never forgets. Nope. No, it's funny. Um, again, and he's not like that with, uh, you know, people come in and out of the place all the time, and he gets excited, but not that level, like, wh- where he is whimpering. Uh, with joy, much like you know, when I see you, Dan, I get very excited. <laughs> very you run excited. around, you jump, and up I start and down. to whimper. <laughs> I start to whimper with joy. Uh, yeah. What else? So you're doing great. You're doing fine. You're all getting skinny. Everyone's getting skinny. We're getting our. Mm-hmm. What are we getting? Our beach bodies. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting. Oh, our, by the way, uh, yeah. when, when Fred when Fred came over, did well, he did he get the big massage and the big chair? Oh, did we're going to get to that. Oh, we're going to get to that. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Freddie right, had sure. a relaxed care massage chair right. session. Yeah, I'm going to save that for later on the show. Um, we were talking as we okay, came on. Uh, we were talking about our your gut skin and how you can't get rid of that when you get to be in your 60s, eh, Freddie? Yeah, it was uh, about 10 minutes we spent on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because the thing is, you, you can lose weight, but you're gonna, it's tough getting rid of... Uh, like a little muffin top or whatever it's called. Well, you can't fight the inevitable. And, and, and as as disturbing as it is sometimes to sit down and think that you're in your sixties, like you know, I'm I've hit the big well, I'm almost sixty six. When you hit sixty five, just think back when you were a kid and you knew a man was sixty five. He was somebody's grandpa. He was an old man. He was the type of guy you made sure he get in the house all right without sleeping. <laughs> that's it's right. True. That's right. You held the elbow. You know that kind of thing. You always see people yeah. holding somebody. That's a sixty-five-year-old man. And I know now we're, you know, we're a little bit different. Sixty-five-year-olds now aren't like they used to be, but still we're there. But there are certain physical things that you just can't fight off. Well, in our society, you're, you're going to be, you know, and we'll make a big fuss of it. And you won't remember. But when you hit 65 next March or whatever it is, we'll make a big fuss out of it because it's a it's a milestone that needs to be acknowledged. No, you I said you're talking to Dan, right? Because I'm not going to be yes. 65 for a long time. No, no, I'm talking to yeah, Dan. Dan. I said next yeah. March. Because yeah. it's always a surprise to Dan to, when he finds out how old he is. Yes. And we won't let you forget. <laughs> no, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But, you know, something you said, too, and, and we've spoken about this before, the fact that, you know, our generation, baby boomers, we are aging differently than our grandparents did. So I wonder, like, we'll never know, but I wonder what a 65-year-old year will be like in the future. Because, you know, if we're still, if we've achieved this level of, aging vitality I mean I just made that phrase up but it's if, if, if what's it gonna be like 20 30 years from now 65 year olds will be like hey I'm just getting started you know enrolling in school and because you know in, in 30 years from people will be living well into their late 80s early 90s regularly as opposed to occasionally <sighs> yeah it's gonna be crazy I, I was reading an article. Yes, I read articles sometimes. And this, particular, this particular article. It's an article. About, Is it in your dossier? 
aging, the demographics in Canada in 30 years from now, well, percentage of the population will be 85 plus. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's like a powder cake. It really is because it's on one thing, we're living longer and that's good. But on the <laughs> other hand, how do you look after these people? How do you sustain the current system with so many <laughs> in a position where they are going to need a little more medical help? That's and we're they, talking hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I, I saw something. I'm not sure if it was the same article in a dossier, but I saw articles. something. Articles are fun. I saw maybe it was a similar article, but it was about the percent, the, the tipping point of the population tipping over into the the highest growth category is 65 plus. Is that the same article? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Wasn't it but called they, the... They, they were more, more concerned with how many people in the population are going to be 85 plus. Okay. Because traditionally you've counted on, especially men, you've counted on them... Dying off. Going. Yeah, going yeah. We die, we die early. Know, so it's yeah. almost like, okay, 85, there's your cutoff point. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, I've, my financial advisor, you know, they used to set stuff for 80 years ago, and now yeah. it's 85, and uh, there's people in 90 and 95. It's like it's stretching all the time, and that's great, but it's in the end, the math isn't going to work very well. I think that article was called The Great Drooling Mob, I believe is what it was called. The Great Drooling Mob article. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the thing is, I, I read an article. Hang on a second. Hang on one second. The thing about aging, though, with with money, is that that's why that when we were younger, that whole thing about freedom fifty five, is that it was because you were going to retire early at fifty five and then die at like seventy six. You weren't expected to be around, you know, forever. I'm sorry, right. Dan. Please continue your articles and thoughts. Oh my. The the article I was reading. Yes. I was talking. Uh, some futurist was saying that the and of course Dan's uh, connection is uh, now because of the can't hear, it. can't hear it just zoomed oh. out man I'll try again yeah so the, you you were literally started to warble when can you, you said now? yeah sort of so begin again you said I read the article I read was the first 150 year old person has already been born oh because of the advancements of science and everything else to keep us living longer. Well, can you imagine the skin hanging off that fucker? That's right. You, think, you know what? People are vain no matter what. If they're going to be in their 120s and go, I don't know. I seem I can't keep it off. I can't get rid of my gut. You're 127. I know, but I've done the noom. <laughs> Even those women that you've seen recently that are 110 and 115. Oh, yeah. Who tend to be Asian, too. You notice Yeah, that? I know. They, say, they seem to be from there. Asian am countries. I, am I allowed to notice that they're Asian? Am I allowed? Well, you can say they're from countries of Asian origin. Oh, okay. I think. Um, According to an article. Number one, what's their secret? But, you know, they don't look well. No. Sometimes they look like corpses. <laughs> no, that no. move. What? <laughs> they just, and they all have that vacant stare like, why yeah. am I still alive? Yeah. Somebody do them a favor, please. <laughs> Grab a club. I just like the idea of no matter how old men get... Would still be like, I don't listen. I can still keep up with these 100 year olds. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. I'll be 135 and be like, I can still listen. I'll play the red tees. I'll go to the red tees and I'll still play. Hey. That's too old, man. That is too old. You mentioned guys and gals. This guys and good, gals. <laughs> this might be a good time to bring up this little tidbit. Manitoba Deputy Premier Cliff Cullen 
was at some business lunching, luncheon, and he stood up to say this speech, and he quoted Winston Churchill, and it was, uh, uh, you know, speeches are like uh, women's skirts. They should be long enough to uh, cover the subject, but short enough to create interest. And he said this at this business luncheon. And this, this is a Winston Churchill quote. And now the shit has hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Because you can't because say anything because God forbid you offend anyone. I, I think the NDP critic or whatever in Manitoba <laughs> has demanded that he undergoes uh, sensitivity and sexual harassment training. Wow. For quoting Winston Churchill <clears throat> with that quote, which is, is it really that? Is it really that bad? I guess it's bad for 2022. Like, it's one of those things he shouldn't have said it. But I can imagine he's in the room and it comes to mind and he throws it out there to make a bunch of guys laugh and maybe women. Who know? Now, I, I can tell you right now, it's it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm up to. Uh, first of all, before I comment, how come none of us are ever invited to luncheons? Like, like, like <laughs> I used to be. No, but they, but they didn't call them luncheons, did they? I know. Well, no one ever no, said no. to me and you go, hey, after the show, I want you to join me for a luncheon. Anyway, I think it's offensive to people in 2022 for all the reasons you can imagine. Women, skirts, objectifying, sexual, yeah, how dare you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is it on the surface that bad? Probably not, but I see why. I can understand why people... I can get why people would be upset. So can you. Uh, I don't... I guess. You know, it's we've sort of lost our perspective on these things. You know, you might sit there and, you know, again, it's a Winston Churchill quote. That, that doesn't make it any better or worse. It's just, you know, it has history that quote. He didn't make it up. No, I know, but he pulled it out in in that moment. Well, if he'd have done that, he'd be in real. <laughs> hey, look at this luncheon meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to see this spam? Can't we have pers- women wear skirts and sometimes they're sexy? I know, but you can't blah, blah, say blah, blah, that. Blah, blah, blah. You can't if you're especially in in a what with the women wear skirts. You can't say women wear skirts. <laughs> you can't. How dare you? I guess you can't. You can't say speeches are like women. No, it's oh, the it's okay. the using a uh, using women as a comparable is not. I mean, not now's a daisies. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that it's a Winston Churchill quote, I mean, you know, you can quote uh, General Jackson from, you know, the Civil War about his opinion on blacks. And you can say, well, it was a, it was a war quote. Yeah, but see, there we go now, losing perspective. It's like, you know, that was that was a bit that's a downright dirty racist quote. Oh, oh, sure. This, but this was something that was. Anyway, trying to be cute, I, you know. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, I guess there's no debate here, and I'm not really debating. I'm again. It's just the perspective we're, we've lost on. Take it for what it's worth at the time. That's all. But, but if you're the uh, guy in Parliament, I can't remember at the beginning. If you're at some luncheon and you're making remarks in public, and you're a, a right. you're, if you're a politician, and you don't know that comparing speeches to women might get them riled up, like. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different generation. Like oh, we're no, talking, you know, we're talking about living into our one thirties. But the people that are on the planet now, and you know, as I said to you yesterday about Roe v. Wade, you know, the women are not the people you want to rile up. 
Mm. Um, and yeah, maybe yeah. they're too sensitive, and maybe there's unnecessarily getting riled. I don't know. And the way the world's going, who the hell wants to be around to one thirty? Jesus Christ. You won't be able to open your mouth. You, you said something yesterday, too, when we were talking about your, you may not, d- depending on what happens with Marner and Matthews, and I think you used this phrase, I, I kind of, I was trying to remember what you said, like they're walking them to free agency. Yes. And then you made a comment about, well, you know, now, given, you know, what might happen with this team and, and maybe going backwards or whatever, and you said, I may not be around, you may not be around to see them win a Stanley Cup because if you live to 82 or 3 or 4 or 5 and I thought about that after I thought you know there's going to be a time in my life where I'm going to go you know this might be my last year watching the Masters or it might be my you know what I mean like I, I've thought of that like I, how many more years you have left to enjoy the things that you love and how you have to enjoy you know so that's the perspective of enjoying every day as it comes along well the thing is Next year, you know you're going to watch the Masters. Next year, I don't know. The Leafs are going to win the Cup. And the year after that, you know you're going to watch them. Maybe if you said, will I ever? Or, you know what I'm saying? No, I know. Yeah, yours is yeah. It's different. But, I mean, yeah, you got yeah. me thinking. It's that, different but the same. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, for saying. sure. You don't, like, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know next year if the Leafs can get by the first round. Right. That's the great unknown. That will be like them winning the Stanley Cup. Did you see last night? Tampa Bay hammered fucking Florida like four to one. That's the team the Leafs would have played. (laughs) I don't don't know how I'm going to. I don't know if I'll watch another game until maybe the Stanley Cup finals. I may watch a couple of those games. I didn't. uh, No, I just saw a couple of the highlights. I watched the Jaybirds. Hey, it's nice. They finally opened the dome, eh? So it's... uh, it was lovely to see the game being played in the great outdoors mm-hmm. at our wonderful stadium. Well, we should get started. Dan Duran, do you have any inappropriate quotes from Winston Churchill? Women are like, <laughs> women are like, because, you know, Winston Churchill lived in the 1920s and 30s. Women are like honey pots. You can't dump one out by the side of the road. And where you never have one when you need one? Oh, Jesus, Winston, easy now. Well, that's a deep quote. That was pretty good. The- I just made that shit up, man. <laughs> What about the percentage of women that want to be noticed? That's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I, we can't. We're leaving them out. <laughs> oh, that's right. What about the? Uh, what about being the, left out? If a woman looks great in a skirt and thinks, "Oh, I'd like a couple of compliments here with this <laughs> new skirt," and you can't do it, it's like, "Oh, I've been left out." I just started thinking about you know, wave. So you're a guy in the 1920s, Winston Churchill. Women are like candles. Sometimes they go out, and sometimes you can't find your servant to light one. What? What? <laughs> Winston had a lot of t- quotes that didn't, weren't quite as polished as spot on. Some of these guys, you think they sat in a room. I mean, you know, they cut out one day a week to come up with quotes. Uh, right? like oh, it's today's quote day. Yeah, that's what they did. They just, I have to come up with quotes. Today's quote day. I got to sound like really smart and profound. I'm on my way to a luncheon. I need Bring a quote. The quote team. Bring the quote team in here. That's right. I've got an important luncheon. I'll need to say something about speeches and skirts. Anyone? 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 <laughs> got any skirt humor? You, young Jewish boy. 
with your funnies. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and on the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Gigs Guy, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, and our newest sponsor, Relax at Care. And now here are two men who feel like kings laying on their couches using TV screens as portals to the world that they stand in judgment of. Welcome to their kingdom, Humble and Fredlandia. Very nice, Dan Duran. Uh, you brought something up. So Fred comes over. We had a little uh, business to take care of. Humble and Fred planning for 2022 and beyond. And just like when you came over, I sat Fred down in the magic chair. As I mentioned yesterday, this is something I wanted for a long time. You know, I don't have a trailer. I don't have a hot tub like you guys and pools and all the trappings and wealth. <laughs> so <laughs> this is your trapping of wealth. Well, it's not even the, you don't even it's not even wealth because I, I, I did some research and I came up with this company, Relaxacare, as you mentioned. And I, I done. I looked around, and I'd done all this planning, and I and I found a chair that I could afford, and I found the place that has the most selection. And, and yeah, and I, as I mentioned too, I, you know, like I wasn't going in there looking for a sponsor, but I came out with a chair, and we have a new sponsor because I just looked around and went, well, all this stuff is the kind of stuff like they besides the chairs, they have so many other things there in terms of fitness and health. This is perfect for our audience. And uh, so yesterday, Fred sat in the relaxer chair, massage chair, that now occupies a place of honor in front of my golf TV. And uh, let's just go now to Fred Patterson, recent uh, chair uh, user. Well, I still feel it this morning. Come on. I'm telling you. It did stuff to muscles. That has that, that haven't had stuff done to them. <laughs> Easy now, time. though. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's true. Like I, it's hard to describe. It really is. I, you can't do it justice because you sit in that chair and it's, you know, we've all had massages, but you know, the masseuse does one area at a time. But this goddamn chair, man, it's doing it. Everywhere at the same time, and it's you know it's like oh oh ah. and those are the noises he was making. I'm going to tell you that something has happened now. Uh, Dan, Fred, Charlie, my daughter, and my friend Dave, I've seen it. Everyone sits in it like oh okay, I'll just test it out for a couple minutes, and every one of you has have stayed in it for the entire 20 minute cycle. It's like you get in there with this idea like oh okay. I'm, I'll try yeah. it out. Howard wants me to try this out. And this, I saw Fred's face. He was kind of like, okay, he got him. I got him in. I put the music on. I got him settled in the chair. And then he just stayed there moaning for 20 minutes. And we just had a conversation. He's talking. And, but every once in a while, he make a little move. And everyone wants to stay for the full cycle because, as you said, Fred, it's not like a regular massage because you're being, all parts of your body are being given this therapy at the same time. It's pretty unique. Like a team of masseuses. <laughs> it's right. It's well, like it's having expensive. a massage team, which, by the way, can be expensive in this neighborhood. But <laughs> Well, yeah. here's an example. 
I got up this morning and I thought, whoa, I, I, I again, because it's so intense and so like, what's that word? You know, like, oh, sometimes, you know, that term, a good hurt. Yes. When you're yeah, not it, used to it, it like, feels great on my back and it's like, oh, like, when you're not used to it. Like it felt fantastic when I got this morning. As I say, I could tell that my muscles had been, you know, uh, stimulated. And then I, I stood up and I thought, why my feet feel a bit different? Well, this thing actually massages the bottom of your feet as well. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's, like it's it really is something. Like, and then your arms are in it, and it, like it is squeezing your forearms and stuff, which feels just so good. Like it, you would say that to somebody, and it's like, well, how, like, how could I, I, I know it's the weirdest thing, so but it, but it does. It just feels great to have your forearms squeezed. I, I don't know exactly the name of this technology, but you, it's it's got these air. It's almost like an air pressure, and it's compressing the muscles in your arms. It compresses yeah. the muscles in your calves. And let me just tell you a little bit about the company. Each of the premium full massage, full body massage chairs for sale by Relax Care come with a warranty, free delivery, and customer satisfaction guaranteed. They offer person-to-person support, uh, right down to video chats. They specialize in massage chairs, studying and understanding the different brands. They know what breaks down and what lasts. And their main goal and priority is customer service. I can tell you, I've been dealing with these people now for a couple of weeks, uh, Jason and Ryan and everyone there. And it really is something that, again, I thought about for a long time. And if you want more information, check it out. They got everything. Everything's in-house, delivery, administration, tech work. Visit them in person or order online. The lowest price is guaranteed, and the shipping is free. Relaxacare offers all top-name brands and is the biggest in Canada for wellness products, such as saunas and massage chair. Check them out online, relaxacare.ca. All right. Thank you, boys. Dan Duran will uh, join us here uh, in a few minutes' time with the Dan Duran News. Tim Niblett will uh, pop in and make some sense of what's going on in the world, give you some uh, guidance, and uh, Bill Brio will uh, rejoin this program. I'm not uh, I'm not super in love with the uh, microphone vibe, but uh, it's fine for today, and we can figure it out next couple of days. Well, yeah, I went through a whole test with Mike Boone yesterday. I guess I we over Zoom, and he was thrilled with the sounds. So, I, and I might get used to it. Different, yeah, yeah, it's just a little bit different. It's not quite as sharp, but that's fine. Again, that microphone is the one that we were using in this studio, and we dumped it. How was you? How did you find your drive home yesterday? Was it okay? Fine, absolutely fine. Really? Well, you get to go up the four ten too, so you don't have to go past that on uh, the four hundred one. No, it was great. In fact, I went four twenty seven up to Dairy, and I dropped into this place to buy some meat, and then back to the four hundred one and up the four ten, and it was fine. But I beat the rush. Yeah, anyway. I was going to say. Yeah, you, you were also going west for about half the because I, I, I'm going out there every day. I go out. On that way, like I am going to be today, it's it's just that construction there is just never ending. Um, what do you think is fair? Like when you guys talk about the price of beer at uh, Scotia Bank, or you guys talk about the price of beer at a Jays game. What do, you were at a Jays game recently? I think you were saying that the the beer at the Jays game was pretty expensive. What was it? Uh, like a tall boy's, like uh, twelve fifty, thirteen dollars. Okay, that's a lot of money. It's you know, 
It's pathetic. So golf's. Uh, and, and, go ahead. But let, let me just say this: take beer out of the equation, <clears throat> because you don't have to have it. And it's alcohol. Melanie took the two kids to a Jays game, and it mm-hmm. was like at one point she got a Gatorade and two hamburgers, I think, and something. It was almost sixty dollars. It was like just ridiculous. And it's, you know, they, <clears throat> they wonder some of the midweek games why the crowds are down well that's why because it's because you're paying guys 150 million dollars you know and the fans ultimately have to pay for it and it's just so out of whack now it's sad because especially a ball game should be the type of thing you could take some kids to. Well, it used to be the uh, yeah. uh, the most affordable sport was to go see a game and uh, the most I'm sorry, most affordable professional sport. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it's like, I, well, I'm going to tell you why I bring it up yeah. in a second, but go ahead. Finish. No, no. And, and as I say, even like a Maple Leaf game, it's to the point now where somebody phones you up and says, hey, do you want to? A pair of tickets to the Leaf game. You got to. It's still going to cost you over a hundred dollars. If you you don't have again, you don't have to have a beer. You don't have to have the concessions. Okay. But when Melanie went, she got on that. This was the Jays game. You know, by the time you get on the go train, because if you you'd pay for parking if you didn't take the go train, and then you go in, and the kids, of course, want some snacks. It's part of the experience for them. And by the end of the day, it's like you know we spent three to four hundred dollars to take two kids to a Blue Jay game, and it's ridiculous. When you add in the tickets and you add in the concessions and you add in the travel and maybe buy them a little souvenir or something. Yeah, it's it's not. It's it's not like it used to be. And anyway, but thank you for that, because I knew you had told me that I couldn't remember the price of a beer, which is why I brought it up, because at the PGA, which is a big major in golf this week, one of the storylines is what they're charging for a beer at this golf course in Oklahoma, Southern Hills. Okay. $18. $18. Yeah, great. $18 for a Michelob Ultra Tall Boy. And US. US. And uh, in a sort of really unusual for professional golfers, a few of them have been tweeting, in particular one guy that I like, Justin Thomas, who's a pretty big star. I mean, he would be, you know, one of the top 10 stars in the game, was tweeting out, hey, like... This is a little bit offside, charging this much for a Michelob Ultra. And uh, I thought to myself, well, again, you know, if you're you don't have to drink the beer, as you said. But if you're going to go to watch a sporting event that you're outside all day and that's part of the uh, attraction, you get to have a nice beer. How do you how do you justify an $18 beer at any sporting event? I don't care if it's golf. No, and it's rather ironic that he, maybe the PGA is different, a golfer questioning the price of something, the way those guys are compensated. But I don't want to hear anybody in baseball, hockey, or football say, oh, you know, you're charging the fans too much for, at the concession. Yeah. Because those guys, whenever their contracts are up, you know, in a perfect world, you know, I have this fantasy where everybody gets together one day and decides to cut everything in half to help fans be able to more fans to be able to go to the game. Of course, again, that's a fantasy. Does a basketball player need to make $40 million a year? $20 million would be fine. Easy for me to say if yeah, I was but, in that position. But, I'd want the $40 million. But it just keeps going up and up and up. And the thing is, those guys, the owners, the players, they all get 
huge chunks more of money, but the poor the poor guy sitting in the seats, he, he his his salary doesn't go up at that extent that well, they're raising concessions. And no, and doesn't I don't I never worry about what they're paying the athletes because they're paying the athletes because the athletes are making them multiples of that amount. And, and as far I didn't really get what you said, like golfers, how are they compensated? What do you mean? Well, because they they're paid they're they're paid by performance, right? You know what I mean? Like it's you win the tournament. Or you don't get paid. Money. Yeah. Yeah, but there's so many guys in all the other sports that are making abhorrent amounts of money and probably not even earning it. You know what I mean? It's well, oh, no, for sure. Like, you can be the, 12, the 12th man on a basketball team. Mm-hmm. Starts out every year making more money than Tiger Woods. Because Tiger Woods, yeah. what he makes off golf has nothing to do with being a golfer. And I'll tell you, the top paid athletes in every other sport make more than any PGA Tour player ever has. Like Tiger Woods in his best year for performance made 10 or $11 million, maybe as much as 12. Well, who doesn't make $12 million in most professional sports? If you're the best player in basketball, you're guaranteed more than $12 million at the start of the season. Well, how much of, and how much of uh, golf is gate driven? I, I don't know the answer. I tell you where golf's a lot of golf's purses come. the The prize money comes from sponsorship, right? Mm-hmm. But it's I, I get what you're saying now. Like, so if you're a golfer, you can certainly, you know, maybe comment on the price of a beer because, you know, that sponsor isn't paying your salary. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are. I was a little shocked that they he mentioned the the type of beer because I'm imagining. That Michelob Ultra's parent company was probably not too happy about that, but well, I guess it would be mixed because they'd like the mention, but you know, and they didn't price it. But that just seemed to me when you mentioned beer now. So I, I just wanted you to remind me the price of the beer, and I get I, all that that you said about the kids. It's ridiculous because I remember, you know, even when we first got together here when the dome opened up, you you could go to a baseball game pretty cheaply. It, that was the whole point of baseball was that it was a nice afternoon at a professional event for not so much money. And I can only imagine because I'm not looking at Facebook, but if Boone was weighing in, like, I don't know what the TFC are charging, but that also used to be, and I took my kids to that a few times, that also used to be kind of a fairly economical day at a, at a ballpark, if you will. But uh, I don't think you can, uh, I, don't, I don't know who's paying all that. Who's paying all the, the who's paying that kind of money to go to a sporting event? I don't know. I guess a lot of it's corporate money and tickets are handed out if you're lucky enough to you know, be a recipient of a, a free pair or I don't know how it it's just and again it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. It's like even the the Leafs and their failures you know, don't be surprised if they bump the prices up again this year. No, I know. It's ridiculous. And people just keep going. And again, the only defense is stop going. You know, and they talked about the Maple Leaf, the first game against Tampa Bay. The crowd was different. It had a different enthusiasm. It had a different uh, feel to it. It was more like real fans were there. Well, over the course of the series, it got back to the corporate feel that it's always had. You know, there was some minor eruptions where people acted like normal fans in other rinks. But, you know, that's all part of it. The people there are just, it's, 
you know, it's the privileged. It just is. Yeah. Well, the privileged or, or friends of the privileged or, you yeah. know, it's certainly the upper middle class, middle to upper class of middle, middle, whatever, middle class. It certainly isn't just your average Joe because the average Joe can't do three or four hundred dollars on a Tuesday night. Um, uh, story in the news now, a uh, sports related, you know, the Canadian football league is now more or less on strike. The players association against the, <laughs> the owners. They really, and you know, the minimum wage there is $65,000 or, or the average pay or whatever it is, but it's, it's less than a hundred thousand dollars. Of course. And, uh, these guys are striking and I'm thinking my, like, wow, that's <laughs> something else because, a lot of these owners in the CFL being out of business will mean they will lose less money than they will. <laughs> that's right. Being in business, you know what I yeah, mean? So I know. That's, that's actually their, like the Toronto Argonauts are better off not playing than playing. Sure. When it, comes to, when it comes to the bottom line. But I always had this idea with the CFL that, and maybe other sports too, that each player is sponsored by a, a different company. And I think this would work in the CFL because, you know, revenues are not what they are in other So sports. each player's jersey would have a different sponsor on it? Yeah. You know, in your elite athlete, say your quarterback, the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts, whoever may be, he's your elite player. Well, you know, Bell uh, sponsors him to the tune of three or $400,000 a year. They pay his salary. That's interesting. I mean, a lesser it, player on the line is... Um, you know, sponsored by HumbleInfredRadio.com, we pay him 500 bucks a game or something. <laughs> then we're not, okay, well, we, we could maybe sponsor the water boy. Can you call them water boys? You know uh, what I'm saying? No, I do. On, but, like, think mm-hmm. about it. They do that in golf. E- each player sure. has, yeah. and they, you know, they have their shirts and hats and their, their golf bags and their gloves. They're all sponsored by somebody. Yeah. Well, I just think that is... Uh, I mean, it's something they could look into. Uh, maybe they have, and, you know, uh, companies I, aren't interested. Well, I just was laughing when you said, yeah, they you know, it's the, the CFL, different, you know, companies. Because it's the CFL, though, would be like, you know, yeah. Buddy's uh, Fish and Chips. <laughs> yeah. it, would be, it wouldn't be Bell. It would be like the right. car wash down the road. Uh, we got to move. We got to move on there, Mister Patty Bum. We got to uh, get to a few of our the people that sponsor our program. In the meantime, a little uh, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber's in the news again. There was such a huge success with the Tim Biebs, uh, like amazing, that there's now going to be something called Biebs Brew or Bieber Brew. Yeah. But uh, Tim Hortons and and whatever they spent. I think we talked about this at the time. Whatever Tim Horton spent on Justin Bieber was money well spent. I think it was about $20 million, but Bieber just wanted to do it as well. And now, and now Biebs Brew, a Justin Bieber approved vanilla flavored chilled coffee is coming up. In the meantime, why don't you tell us about these fine folks? Uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Get a free quote today. Go to chamberplan.ca. It's all there. Exactly what you can be part of. Prescriptions, dental, therapies, uh, an HR component now, all sorts of uh, well, all sorts of assistance, depending on uh, the program that you buy into. And believe me, all these programs are 
affordable for small business. All these uh, small businesses get together. You have the profile of a large company, and this is how they purchase the insurance. It works beautifully. All sorts of testimonials there. HumbleandFredRadio.com is part of this, and it's worked great for us. And again, we've mentioned the travel insurance um, uh, component as well. Uh, 30,000 Canadian businesses part of this. They've been around for 40 years. Chamberplan.ca. I'm going to talk about Hush Blankets. Uh, I forgot to mention this little line of scrimmage call. Uh, you're going to do the Gig Sky Guest of the Day today at the end of uh, Bill Brio, okay, who is our Gig Sky Guest of the Day. All right. Uh, All right, because the Sherpa's on. It doesn't matter why. Hush Blankets is what I'm talking about. The reality is a lot of people struggle with the quality of their sleep, whether you're a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper. Hush has what you need to get the job done. They carry everything from uh, pillows and sheets to their best-selling weighted blankets and mattresses. They even have their iced technology, which keeps you cool all night long, and their iced weighted blankets and mattresses. If you're looking to improve your nightly rest naturally, Hush is the answer. Hushblankets.com. And the promo code to use, H-U-M-B-L-E, gets you 10% off. Hushblankets.com. H-U-M-B. L-E, H-U-M-B-L-E is the promo code for 10% off. How about that? Hushblankets.com. Hush. Uh, By the way, uh, if you uh, don't like what you got from Hush, they give you a 100-night guarantee. That's right, 100 nights. And if you don't like it, send it back. Okay? It's time for Bill Brio. He's our buddy. Bill Brio's our buddy, and TV feeds his family. And every once in a while, a couple, like once a month or so, we get together with Bill, and it's been a blessing. I'll tell you what it's been. It's been a blessing. If he turns his mic on and his, tele- his television, turns his camera on, we'll be able testing, to see Testing, one, him. two, three. Testing, testing. Hi, Bill. Turn your camera on so we can see you. Oh, that again. <laughs> hey, guys. Morning. I'm so looking forward to this George Carlin thing because the documentary that Shandling did on Gary, I'm sorry, that uh, Judd Apatow did on Gary Shandling is still one of my favorites and being a comedy nerd like I am. So uh, what can you tell us about it? Let's get right to it. Well, you're right. The Shandling doc is astounding. Uh, I mean, I've seen it at least five times. Every time I happen upon it, I stay with it for the whole four hours. It's... uh, a spiritual experience and uh i think that the uh carlin one is excellent it's fantastic it's not quite at the shandling level because there's just a different vibe there's a zen vibe to that that's incredible but uh carlin is great and um it is with the cooperation of his daughter tracy carlin uh so you get insights into his home life which is Interesting with George Carlin, we never really knew much about his personal life. He didn't, unlike a lot of comedians, you know, who, who really fed on their their own personal life. Um, Carlin didn't on stage. His shtick was about the seven words you can't say on TV and uh, the hippy dippy weatherman and all that stuff. But the special is fascinating because it shows how he evolved from a, a very, you know, a guy who was on Ed Sullivan who was in a comedy team before that with. Uh, Jerry Burns from Burns and Schreiber. Mm-hmm. He remembers that act. Yeah, I do. And then, uh, you know, he evolved, uh, and, and he just, by the early 70s, he literally kind of shed his Merv Griffin, 
Johnny Carson, all that kind of career, and then went right to the college campuses and became the counterculture comedian. You know, it's funny. I had a, I was on uh, with Jeremy Hotz, who's a friend of mine. He has a show on Sirius XM, and I was guesting on it, and I was talking about the evolution of comedians, and very few. The really successful ones, you can always see sort of an arc in their career. And, and Jeremy in particular, when I first knew Jeremy as a comic, he was very different, very frenetic, and then he found this character. And it reminds me of what you're saying about Carlin, because I was a Carlin fan, loved his stuff, but then I, I didn't realize that he was a guy back in the 60s that was sort of a straight-laced stand-up comedian, you know, fairly benign, and then found this voice, whether it was the counterculture or the seven words, but it's almost like there was two parts to his career, but a lot of comics were like that. You know, even early George, even early um, Richard Pryor was a different comedian than who he became live on the Sunset Strip in the late 70s. This documentary is fascinating because it shows all of that. You're right. Carlo was just a guy, another guy in a suit and tie. Yeah. Um, Sullivan, like Alan King or Wade and Schuster or Stiller and Mira. You know, he was a regular. You'd see him as, as the Sullivan rotation. And then you suddenly saw him with long hair and a beard, and uh, it changed everything. But um, he, he evolved again. Like, he never stopped changing. Uh, by 1975, he was the very first host of Saturday Night Live. That's right. But he was already considered kind of passe at that point. Um, and, you know, and, and you see him in um, well, the other comedians and other shows. But when, when he, when he kind of, things got a little bit rough at that point, he looked at himself again and then became sort of the voice of conscience of America. And that's truly fascinating because the last 20 years, he's just letting it rip. Uh, as an angry old man and uh, if you go on Twitter now and you look up any subject that's happening now uh, Roe versus Wade or uh, even the uh, you know anything Carlin is being tweeted and commenting and his comments are often the most perceptive yeah it's scary as as anybody and he died in 2007 but as Fred and I have talked about, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, Fred's going to, I have an uh, anticipating what you're going to say. He stopped being funny at some point. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't mind that. Yeah. Personally. Neither um, did I. Yeah. That social commentary I love. Like even, uh, you know, so many of the, th- you know, even on the abortion thing, you know, he had the line that, uh, oh, yeah, you, gen- I'm summarizing here. You care about a kid in the womb, but the minute, the minute it's born, yeah. you don't. You know, fuck you. Basically, is that's what right. It's like Republicans yeah. love fetuses, yes. but they don't love you know children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, oh. and, and then you know, attacking the evangelicals and like years ago, and they hear that that might be the biggest problem problem in America today. That segment, and he called it out long time ago. Oh, yes, he did. <clears throat> yeah. and, and I, by the way, yeah, I'm just gonna say, Bill, I didn't mind that stage of his career. I mean, it was a bit odd looking at his stand-up specials that just became kind of, you know, mm-hmm. TED Talks, really. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But the comedy was, the, the commentary was so bracing, it was funny. Yes. And, and really, if you look at late night TV today, Colbert is doing Carlin. Uh, you know, a lot of it is just political and commenting on stuff in a very hard way. And kind of that was Carlin who made that switch, I think, first. But think we're all around the same age because I, I remember 
I don't know how old I would have been because the seven uh, words came out in the early 70s. So somewhere in my 13, 14-year-old brain, when I first heard that, that blew my mind. Because remember, this was a time before I got to see R-rated things, before swearing was commonplace on television and movies, or at least the ones that we were seeing. But do you guys remember how... Well, you're a little bit older than me, but still, how mind-blowing that was to hear a grown man say those seven words. Like, I, I happened to be listening to uh, serious uh, comedy greats recently, and that bit came up, and I sat in the car listening to it, thinking, wow, even, even now it's a great bit, the way he put the words together. But a 13- or 14-year-old version of ourselves, was that was pretty heady stuff. I just love how the last word is tits. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker and, and, tits. Yeah, and those seven words are all you can hear on HBO day and night, any time of the day or night. But Carlin was arrested five times yeah. for, for profanity. He was still being stage. arrested for it. Yeah, yeah. And he was never convicted, but uh, he, he never did turn time. But yeah, that, that was an offense that uh, people would call the cops. Uh, and it is hard to believe today, but he broke a lot of ground. And um, I just remember as a kid in high school, too, the the, the class clown came out. His, yeah. his albums were amazing. And we all knew, uh, hey, wonderful Wido, uh, the hippy dippy weatherman. <laughs> That's and, right. You know, it's uh, today's forecast dark tonight. Or, you know, it, yeah, yeah. it stuck with you. And every kid in the schoolyard knew his routine. Yeah. Um <sighs> Remember, around that time, the Cosby, you know, the Fat Albert, you know, that album came out. I was never really, I heard it, and I thought, oh, okay. You know, I, I was never a huge fan. And it was almost like that was the alternative record, the, uh, the George Carlin one. And I, again, I could listen and listen and listen to that. To me, that was so profound. Where he, he you know, we uh, predicting the future or whatever, where he was wrong a bit was uh, the environment. Because, you know, his, he did that whole bit about who do we think we are that we can that we can actually uh, influence what happens to this earth. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's a big assumption. And uh, not that that's a huge point, but it was just a little off that one, because obviously we can. Yeah, he wasn't 100 uh, percent right, but he was making mm-hmm. references to pandemics and to mm-hmm. red hats and politicians. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit spooky, some of the stuff he did, uh, but the, the special really shows it all and uh, is very much well worth watching. A lot of other comedians weighing in on uh, him. Uh, as part of the special, it's uh, pretty good. And again, that's a part I can't wait for. And uh, you know, just to just to close off the Carlin part, because for me, I love Bill Cosby. I loved Carlin. I love Steve Martin and I love Richard Pryor. And for basically most of the 70s, I was consumed with listening to that stuff, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do stand up. But but Bill Cosby, you know, we've talked about this. I thought he was great. As a kid, I could quote all those albums, but I don't think his stuff as a comic, stands up the way that Carlin's does now. And again, Bill, Bill, creepy Bill Cosby aside, to Fred's point, I don't think that stuff is as... You wouldn't laugh at it the same way you could listen to those seven deadly words or whatever, seven words you can't say, and still yeah. find it funny. Mm-hmm. And Richard Pryor really was the other 
I mean, just talk about somebody who just split their insides out and oh, spilled yeah. their guts. And so that was so different from anybody else. But there's a great clip in the doc of Pryor and Carlin, and they're both on like the John Davidson show or something, <laughs> like or Mike Douglas, something really white bread. And uh, to see the two of those guys, and they're just it's just before the big change in their acts. They're still kind of doing the mainstream stuff, but you can see in their eyes they're hating it. And they can hardly wait to bust out. It's quite interesting. Uh, a lot of talk uh, around uh, the entertainment world, Bill, about the return of Kids in the Hall. It's on Prime. They're, I've done a, a new, or, uh, their last season was years ago, and they've reunited. Uh, I would like to talk about two things, because I know, uh, just to be honest, Freddie and I, not the hugest Kids in the Hall fan. I mean, I'm fans of the guys in the Kids in the Hall, but... You know, we never really were big fans of the show, although there's bits in the show that I always liked. But I want to talk first about a documentary about the kids in the hall, which yeah. I'm sure I would like. Oh, you would. It's fabulous. And it really starts on Queen Street and the Rivoli, and it shows the stand-up scene. I mean, those guys are more improv than, than stand-up. Of yeah, course, of course. But, but uh, you know, you, you will hear voices there from people you remember from that time. Um, I'm like you guys in that I was never a huge Kids in the Hall fan the first go round because they were a bit younger and you know how you're always kind of resent well those are those they are the kids in the hall and they're they're not you know whatever you clung to when you were growing up whether it was Monty Python or somebody else those are up there or even the Marx Brothers for me because I was a retro sure. guy yeah, yeah. Uh, so when the Kids in the Hall came on I was like well but boy the new series is fantastic like it's better and what's really fascinating to me is these guys who are doing it at 25 doing it at 60. Yeah. And, and that uh, is um, – I talked to Mark McKinney and uh, Dave Foley, had them on a podcast, and I asked them what is the, being relevant today, the big challenge at 60, because that's something I wonder, you know, all the time. And their, their uh, caution was if you try to stay relevant – that's when you screw up. Yeah, uh, just make your friends laugh, whatever age you are, and that's what they do. And boy, they do it really well. And it's also there's some poignant, moving moments. There's something a little deeper with them doing this at that age that uh, just reaches re- reached me in a very different way this time. So I really recommend the new show on. Uh, uh, they're on. Uh, what are they on? Well, they're on the, the new show's on Amazon, but the uh, Amazon docu- Prime the, Video, the documentary, yeah, yeah. and I want to mention this: the documentary, "The Kids in the Hall Comedy Punks," is on Netflix. And Carlin, George Carlin's American Dream, uh, this Friday premieres on HBO Crave. Right. You know, uh, comedy is a lot like music or any form of entertainment. You can uh, deeply respect the performance without really enjoying. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I was with Kids in the Hall. And I'm sure I'd like the documentary, too, is how they got there. Like, I've seen documentaries on uh, music artists that I wasn't necessarily that interested in. Yeah, but the too. story behind, yep. you know, the success is, yeah. is often very interesting to watch. Didn't we, Howard, once do a promotion, a CFNY promotion, where we went to a Kids in a Hall? <laughs> we, took, we went to a Kids in a Hall taping. I remember that night perfectly. Yeah. It was a long night, and you and I were like, you know, again, we, anytime we had to go downtown in the evening, right. we were in a bit of a mood anyway. Yeah. 
Well, but, they, uh, they, yeah. what was what you might recall from that experience? And I never went to a taping. The band Shadowy Men, yes. uh, who played mm-hmm. that fantastic theme song, uh, they played it live every show yes. for the audience who went to see the taping. No, it's great. And that gave it a real performance feel. You know, I think that was a smart move when they did that. Uh, but that the theme song is still fantastic. I think. Now, I, I, my, I, my roots go back with them quite a ways because I, after I started doing stand-up in uh, Vancouver, I moved to Calgary to do a kid's TV show on CBC. And I was doing a morning show there. And the only this was prior to Yuck Yucks coming to Alberta. The only place to do stand-up was... The, the kids in the hall did a regular show at the Loose Moose Theater in Calgary, which is where they learned theater sports from a guy named Keith Mitchell, I believe, or something like that. And at midnight, after they were done their sets, and this is McCullough, McKinney, a few right. others, not all of them. I don't think Thompson was there. And then we would go on, me and Brent Piaskowski, Judy Croon. There was three or four comics that got to have the stage. And so every Saturday for, you know, a few years, or not every, but I would go down and do a set. And that's how I met them. And I just saw sort of the evolution. And then they moved to Toronto and I moved away. But I sort of always remember, like, I remember seeing these guys when there was just a couple guys doing this theater sports. But well, I was never. What I was going to like for I, I never really found because I was never a sketch comedy guy. No, improv isn't my. Favorite. Yeah, it's not our thing either. We just everything because you know Bill on our show everything is scripted. <laughs> right. No, yes, that, honestly, Howard, that when I've made those comments over the years that I'm not big on improv, people have thrown that back at me. But it's but isn't that what you do? Huh. Because it, it is on yeah. some level, but yeah. not that stage. Give me a word stuff that I, I really doesn't land with me. <laughs> I think that the kids in the hall, it's it's not so much improv because this new show, everything is scripted. Oh, you know, no, I know. You know, it's a scripted show. And, yeah. and, and you know, they really are different. What's uh, impressive about them is that coming up in the 80s like that, they were not ripping off Saturday Night Live. That's they were right. not doing impressions of, of famous people. They were not ripping off SCTV, which was irresistible then if you were doing comedy. They weren't doing uh, like parodies of ad, ads or TV yeah. shows. Uh, so their stuff uh, wasn't derivative. And uh, when they got to New York and Lorne Michaels, and, uh, and they show this in the documentary, um, he really cooked them. He put them to work for about a year before... They turned them loose on the TV show. He thought, I thought they were pretty raw still, but uh, he, he just made them bear down on being performers, and I think that they're pretty good actors. Listen, uh, there's no doubt TVs. that they are in that conversation of SCTV, Kids in the Hall. Like, There's a lot of people in the world of comedy that have mad... I can't say I'm, Great respect. Mad respect. Who am I, 10? They've got great... <laughs> Fucking! I was about to say they got mad respect. Like I was going to pretend I didn't actually say that shit. By the way, by the way, no. Here's the thing, Bill. About Fred and I, we we have been an improv group for 32 years, and the word we asked from the audience was fart. <laughs> We've just been doing the same okay, bit. Let's go every day. That's their bit. Okay, fart. Throw it out there. Fart. That's right. Okay, okay can I get go. a word from the audience? Is it still fart? Okay, good. And, and that's why the audience has mad respect for you. Mad. Guys. Anyway, those guys are definitely in that conversation of great Canadian comedy whatevers. And uh, and I what you said, I've always respected the fact that they didn't do just another version of Saturday Night Live. And that's yeah. why they... But uh, let, let's move on to something I really, really loved. And I don't know, we, we talked a little bit about it on the show. And I love this. The Pentaveret 
The Mike so Mad. Fuck me, I loved it. I will I'm tell so you. I'm so glad to hear this. Howard. I, I, I laughed. There was a now. It's I, I said to Freddie when I, after I finished the series. It's not you're not going to be laughing all the time, but there are a few moments where I I lolled out loud. I mean, I by myself laughed out loud, and but it's just fascinating how great that you want to talk about a great Canadian fucking Mike Myers is so good in this thing. And you'll you'll hear a lot from Myers on the Kids in the Hall doc. He was there. He would be a, go on stage with them at the Rivoli and stuff. But he he sat there watching them, thinking this is what I want to do. You know. Um, but the thing about the Pentavred, it's not getting great reviews everywhere, but I love it too. And boy, are we ready for this stupid show. Oh, yeah. Because it's just laughter. And it's like, oh, my God, thank you, Mike Myers. And tell just, Fred, tell Fred, like, if you grow up in Toronto in the 60s oh, and 70s, wow. I told him, you're going to you're going to love the Canadian stuff. No, I, you know, it, I, I, I can't this. You know, this weekend, definitely I'm going to watch it. Because I didn't know. Do you remember Howard Glenn Cochran when he oh, was on? No. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. I yeah. didn't remember that. But when Bill pointed it out, and by the way, thanks for that. I had no idea who he was doing a version of. Well, we grew up with Glenn Cochran. Yes. He was always the kicker story at the end of CFTO News, which has always been the top rated in Toronto. And you want to talk about uh, sexism and... Uh, <laughs> yes. He would always be the girls, right? <laughs> His right. setups were always being around... Like if he was at the boat show or where women in bathing suits and they'd all be around him, like stroking him and stuff. Like <laughs> stuff that just wouldn't be acceptable nowadays. But everybody loved Glenn Cochran. The guy had like the Mo haircut, Mo Howard haircut and yeah. like a, a, a nose that looked like W.C. Fields. And mm-hmm. at the ever, end of every boat show or chicken cleaning contest, <laughs> there he would be with Miss Miss Evan Rude and Miss, uh, right. you know, and it just it was ridiculous. And it was Glenn Cochran. Mm-hmm. CFTO News, and I guess Myers watched that and fell off the sofa every time, right? And and he kept it in his brain until yeah. forty years later. He makes a five-hour miniseries <laughs> about this, and guy. that guy is the hero of the fucking movie. But yeah. I would say, I will just say, I'm going to caution you, Fred, because the it's going to take a few minutes to get into it, because yeah. when it starts, you're not really sure. The premise is a bit comp- complicated, and not kind of complicated. It, it takes a minute or two. It took me about ten minutes before I started to get. Oh, I see what's going on here. And then as it develops, I'll tell you. Not only is it funny, but it's really well done. The, the it fact is, that it, it looks like a big budget Marvel yeah. film in a lot of ways. Yes, it's, it does. It's directed by a British director. A lot of British folks involved in it. And uh, Fred, there are some jokes that are. He, he stoops so low to pick up a few punchlines that it's just stunning, and it makes it even funnier. And there's a Crystal Gale reference. <laughs> I still I can't believe it's and it's so involved, and it's just the wow. So I, I, I love it. I love it, but I love that kind of humor. Yeah, and me that too. Not everybody does. You know, sometimes Howard and I. Him being from the West, me being from the East, all yeah. throw out certain lines, and he'll throw out certain lines, and we assume that the other guy knows exactly what we're talking about, but it's actually regional, right, Howard? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. Beautiful. There's lots of stuff about here I, There's that lots he of has stuff to like explain that. to and me. That, and that's what I loved about the Austin Power movies. There's so much Scarborough in those movies oh, yeah. with some of the lines that he throws out. I just love it. And I've heard some of his interviews lately, uh, lately with Dana Carvey and uh, what's his head? And David Spade. 
and David Spade and on Smartless and just yeah. his references. You the the genuine love for Canada and Toronto. And you know, Will Arnett Arnett is like that. Not so much Jim Carrey. Yeah. Jim Carrey makes those references, but Mike Myers, it's Well, he's unapologetic. And that's what I loved. Absolutely. I, I, I'm I'm not sure if you've heard him with uh, I forget the David Spade thing, I can't stand anymore. But the, his interview yeah. on Smartless. Yeah was so good because you can hear how much respect those guys have for him yeah and and they hadn't seen it yet i i remember that distinctly they hadn't seen the uh the pentaveret yet but they were talking about and then when you see it after you hear him talking about it let me just finish by saying Mm -hmm. it's not just funny as i said he's remarkable how how he's able to do all those characters. I know it's, there's a, a technique, but the fact that he's able to do it and they're all different and they're all good. The Russian guy, the the Australian guy, they're just all so well done. Yeah, it, they yeah. are. Well, it's really a younger Rupert Murdoch, one of them. And yeah. then the other guy is the actual Alice Cooper's manager. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> Shep. <laughs> Shep Gordon. It's just it, ridiculous. It, it, he's, he's literally just doing a real guy. And, and Myers once did a documentary about Shep Gordon about 10 years ago. So he knows him well. But uh, and it's fascinating. At the very, very end, you actually see a clip of Myers with Glenn Cochran from 1980, yeah. maybe, yeah. and they're standing at outside Queens Park, and uh, you can see that Myers looks at Glenn Cochran like he's George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just enraptured by this crazy guy, and you just wonder what's next. Is he going to do you know Chuck the Night Watchman? From, uh, <laughs> That's right, all night. You know, like well, what else would he pull out of that? I'm surprised he didn't do Moses Nimer somewhere in that. You right. know? Next, mm-hmm. that'll come. Anyway. Yeah, what I loved about uh, the Smartless, when he told the story about, I believe it was on the Smartless one, when he took his kids to, uh, he took his kid to a Broadway show and he was nervous. And he said, Dad, why are you so nervous? And he said, right. I'm nervous because I want the performers to have a good show. Yeah, he said, Dad, but you're not on the stage. He said, yeah, but I just, I get nervous whenever I see people perform because I want them to do so well. I and love I thought, that. That is so, do I want to say Canadian, but it's just, that's so Mike Myers, right? Uh, but on that point, Fred, and this is changing gears completely here, but mm. I watch, you and I are about the same age, and we were both grew up as staunch Leaf fans up until mm. last year. When they, right. when, when, <laughs> yeah, when speaking, the speaking of comedies. Got, when yes. the heartbreak got too much against Montreal, that was it. And then, so I have to tell you, I was, I, I used to be so nervous watching, I could hardly watch the Leafs in the playoffs. I watched every bit of it now because I don't care. I'm yes. not invested anymore. I actually enjoyed watching it for the first time in years because uh-huh. it doesn't matter to me whether they win or lose now. Now, that's so, interesting. You know, it was just a different experience. And the other thing, uh, you know, Mike Myers said when about people, why he writes so much, because he could never get it through his head that somebody would actually want to write for him. Why would anyone want to write no, for him? No. You're supposed to write your own stuff, right? The whole concept of having writers was bizarre to him. Again, just so genuine. But thanks for reminding me of that moment when he talked about the idea when he was sitting there looking and, 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 and wanting well for others. is yeah. and Maybe it's a Canadian thing, but it certainly is a Mike Myers thing. Uh, we want you to do the right thing and follow the uh, Brio Man, Bill B-R-I-O-U-X. TV feeds his family. And... Uh, You know what? He comes on this program every month and he feeds our souls. 
Uh, Billy, thank you very much for your contribution. And uh, always fun, guys. Thanks hey, for having that, me. That Shandling documentary, I want to watch it again. Where, where would I find it if I needed to? I guess I can get it on YouTube. That that also is HBO Crave, and it's uh, the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. Yeah, I'm going to watch it wow. on Crave because I have Crave. And, and thanks for the Carlin heads up. I uh, appreciate you and uh, stay well. And thanks you too, for your, thanks for everything you do for us and for the community. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, thanks and for maybe, having and me. And maybe on. once once things calm down, we'll get you over here for a luncheon. That'd be nice. Let's go. Let's go to Apache Burger. All right, man. Take care. That's Bill Brio. He's a super beauty, man. We're just going to wait for Bill. Oh, there he goes. And by the way, he's the Gig Sky guest of the day when you want to tell us about that. Oh, how? But you were going to say something else. I could see it. What did you want to say? No, no. I was just uh, Apache Burger. It's funny, too. I mean, you, you want to talk about Toronto and, you know, these guys. I mean, Apache Burger, you know. Uh, Johnny's Hamburgers. Burgers and all those places. Uh, I will say that I often think about that, too, with Mike Myers. I mean, he's such a superstar and he's worth two hundred and fifty million dollars or something. Grew up in Scarborough. And I just often think of Scarborough, the places that he went, obviously, because he talks about too going down to the beaches to a movie theater. I know exactly what movie theater that was. They used to just they used to, you know, if a movie was first run like months, months later after it left the theaters, it would go to that theater, like a revival theater or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I just love stuff like that. So I'm going to tell you, again, this try, the Pantaveret, you know, it has critics. It's not being, it's not widely uh, reviewed, well-reviewed, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit hokey, Canadiana hokiness. There's a bit of that in it, but it's done, it's done on purpose. It's not like it's, it's not cheesy, but it could be perceived as cheesy. But I, would, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but I would tell you, there's a moment when the the road trip goes from Canada to the states. It's one of my favorite moments in the whole thing, and I'll just say that when you get to it, you'll go, "Oh yeah, now I know what he was talking about." It's mm-hmm. just this. It's a it's a film technique that they use, and it it fucking made me laugh. It was so well done. Anyway, let's talk about the Gig Sky guest of yes, the day. Bill Brio, Gig Sky guest Bill of the day. Uh, you know who's thinking about beaches in Costa Rica, uh, Mexico, Republic. <laughs> Uh, get that spring in your steps and rejuvenate yourself with some R&R, of course. You deserve that peace of mind when you travel. So surf like a local with a tap of a button. Gig Sky offers 100% data plan, maps, Uber, Instagram, WhatsApp, all the stuff you want. Need a hotel, a rental car, looking for things to do while traveling. All in your hand, thanks to Gig Sky at very reasonable place data. Okay, rewards. They offer up to 50% cash back on over 850 uh thousand hotels globally yes rental cars all that kind of thing all right download the gig sky app today enter code hf 2022 five dollars off your first plan or visit gigsky.com for more information uh just a quick uh i'm sorry i turned that up too much just a quick just a reminder that uh this norm mcdonald netflix special is coming out at the end of may Mm -hmm. that he recorded on his own months before he died and people are talking about it as like the the great sort of like a not just a stand-up special but like a posthumous you know i don't know how to describe it but anyway yeah it's going to be something else and if you're a stand-up fan or you're a norm mcdonald fan in particular uh look for that in the meantime cursing during your commute again 
Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. And now welcome back to our program. Oh, also, before I forget, I mentioned Jeremy Hotz has a, a radio show on Sirius XM. It's called uh, The Hilarious House of Hots, I think. And uh, I'm a guest on it, uh, I think, Sunday night at 7 on USA Laughs, Laugh USA. Go check out Jeremy's uh, site to find out more of the details. Jeremy will be our guest <laughs> next week. Have you done the show? I did the show last night, yeah. We recorded it. And uh, it was just him and I yelling at each other for 35 minutes. Kind of like this show, except with two Jews. Except, you know, even though you're an honorary Jew. Uh, speaking... What's that? I'm a free agent. I'll go. I can I know. You're ready to go. If the food's gold, if the food's good, I'll jump on the religion. <laughs> there, yeah, because there's a lot of religions lining up to draft you in the first round next year. Uh, let's talk to this angel. I had the uh, honor, the privilege... I don't know. I just look at it like the blessing, really, to be in his presence last week. We dined together like men. He is a retirement Sherpa. Raymond James, of course, a member of uh, a lot of great organizations. And uh, so is he. (laughs) How's that for a casual Wednesday intro? Good morning, everybody. The feeling was, of course, mutual. We had a lot of fun. It was awesome. Yes, we did. I didn't. Oh, you know, I was because it's funny with Tim and I because he's our client. I'm his client. You never know who's supposed to pay for this luncheon. But uh, we <laughs> and we're to, friends in there somewhere too. And we're so friends. It's a very confusing uh, time. There's a lot. There's a lot going on with the nibs and I. And we had a. We had a lovely well, you time. You can't make that decision. It's, you do a dine and dash, okay? You That's what we go. did. I said, go, Nibs, go. I said, okay, I'm going to go to the well, bathroom. The only reason Howard would think that's a good idea, Fred, is he's a hell of a lot faster than me, so he'd make it. <laughs> he's going to be caught. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think that guy didn't pay. And then run. Um, there's a lot to get through here. Uh, <laughs> that guy with all the hands. <laughs> okay. Tim and I talked, of course, uh, about my own financial situation, but we talked a little bit about the financial situation in the world, and I and, and Fred said something about you. It might have been yesterday. It could have been last year. But it was basically, there's a, a calming presence. And a, a lot of what Tim does with clients is to give them perspective on the world uh, that we're witnessing now. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, certain parts of the market have been less than pretty, of course, this year. Um, I've had clients say they're afraid to open their their statements or whatever. And I would suggest really when times are good, pay lots of attention. When times are bad, pay whatever level of attention works for you and, and know that your advisor, their team. I mean, any client's got hundreds of people working for them every day, really, right? Looking for opportunities and, and buying and selling and holding and, and all that. So there, there's plenty of people putting effort in. You can just go golf and go to a restaurant, spend time with family and have some fun yeah and it's always um you know last year was crazy good and maybe this year won't but you always have to look at the three five year results right oh absolutely we're in for the long term right Mm -hmm. uh my last client uh meeting yesterday uh he is late 50s so still a number of years away from retirement and hopefully uh, a few decades away from expiring, you know, he, he was asking if we should adjust his 
mix it all. And I, I, you know, when you've got 30 more years on this planet, hopefully more, uh, you can't be going short term on, on things. Right. So this is just part of the process. I I thought what I, that that first chart on the email I sent you guys yesterday, I, I find super fascinating, right? Because, we, we don't really intellectually understand how virtually every year there's a, a pretty large, you know, drop along the way, right? So, so this year, the standard poor 500, that's the really most uh, diversified one in the States, is off uh, 17-ish percent from its high. Well, we probably don't remember back in 2020, it was actually 34% off from its high and was still up 18% when the whole year ended. Mm-hmm. Now, this fa- it is, I, and again, we, we don't often talk about the nuts and bolts and numbers, but I think what, what the, was summed up by saying the S&P has returned 10% annualized since 1928 and, and talks about what you just mentioned. But I love this sentence. There's no upside without downside. And as you've said, you can't average 7 or 8% by getting 15 points every year, you, there's got to be a balance. And that's, a, I think, part of what you do, well, certainly for me and others, is a, it's like psychology. It's like, just put it in perspective. Let's not freak out, etc. Right. I, I mean, even if you're taking income out right now, which, you know, isn't the best time to do it, of course, but within any portfolio, there'll, there'll be some things that have held value better than... Others, so there, there's always options as far as that to do things properly. One thing that's been super interesting about this year, and thank God we don't really use them, is bonds, which are your traditional safe haven, have actually dropped a heck of a lot this year too. So, ironically, the part that's supposed to be your safety valve might have been worse than your long-term growth vehicle portion of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Well, that's again, and we keep making that point, you know, you see all these commercials about, oh, you can do it myself, and it's, yeah, no, you need a perspective, you need somebody to, you know, point out things that you're never going to get yourself in front of a computer, a different perspective, Uh, somebody's long-term knowledge, correct? Well, as I've said before, I mean, if I could get... uh Austin Matthews to shoot the puck for me or Tiger Woods to hit the golf ball for me and it just cost mm-hmm. a little bit, I'd, I'd say that's an investment pretty yeah. well spent, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. Yes. Uh, another one of my clients yesterday got a well-deserved promotion. I got Global Scope now in a huge international company. And, and so there's different countries that are kind of different parts of the growth curve of where they're trying to get to. And I was just saying to him, you know, one of my maxims of life is people would rather screw things up their way than succeed somebody else's, right? So, <laughs> you know, money can be like that. Many parts of life can be like that. But, yeah, the odds are pretty good if you if you pick the right Sherpa. Uh, you know, you'll do a heck of a lot better, understandably, because there's more knowledge and wisdom and perspective and, and yeah. all those good things. So, yeah, the sky's fallen right now, but it's fallen before and it's always bounced back. And uh, certainly any portfolio should have a good blend of growth of value you know, of you know right. sherpa style investing i call it the yabat um factor because again yourself in front of the computer there's a lots of stuff swirling around that you're not aware of and you need somebody like you to go yeah but yeah but 
Yeah, I, I like what Tim says at the end of this. Does your portfolio's positioning have you set going forward? And that's something you need somebody to guide you through. And I think it's, I, it's sort of interesting, you know, that Faye is saying, you know, physician, heal thyself. I mean, you see all these ads for, I just learned about this dog tip while I was having Starbucks coffee with my millennial friend. You don't see people going, I'm, I've learned how to take out my own appendix. So that's what I do with TD appendix trade. Right. You know? Right. So I just think, hey, listen, you can dick around with some, you know, of your, you know, fun money. But if you really want to have somebody figure out how long your money is going to last, you need somebody like the retirement Sherpa, Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. He's also the captain of uh, our golf course. You can see in his uh, Zoom window there. He's the captain. He's the captain of that entire county. You can go anywhere in that course and just stay. I'm the captain and just start playing. I don't see you wearing the C. <laughs> you should have no, to. No. You should. C? He parks. It's, he's got the captain's parking spot, but he should have a C on his jersey. Yeah. It's tattooed. I won't tell you where, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just in honor of Bill Brio uh, Day, it's a little pedestrian choice, but uh, Lauren and I are really enjoying the Lincoln Lawyer on Same with Netflix me. Michael Connolly uh, series. I love it. Oh. Um, oh. I've seen that. I haven't seen. I saw it, and I got to watch it. I've seen that. It looks interesting. You know, Tim. I, I didn't know who Michael Connolly was. Uh, that there was a series of uh, books that they've turned into this series, but I really enjoyed it. I like the. I, I'm like uh, five or six episodes in, and you know, I'm watching one at a time, and I want to burn through it. I find the whole. It's kind of neat, actually. Yeah, the acting's really good. The the lead character, uh, Mickey Haller, the actor who plays him, I think is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Lots of good twists. We've been watching like The Flight Attendant and, and um, Killing Eve as well, and I almost feel like both of them are kind of trying too hard to be unique, but uh, Lincoln Lawyer is kind of comfortable but, but interesting. Uh, Michael Connolly's a good Tampa boy, and he also wrote the Bosch uh, series as well. Oh, did he now? Interesting. So he's doing okay. Well, you're doing okay, and I certainly appreciate, we appreciate you coming in here each week, the Retirement Sherpa. We're going, by the way, you can go to his website, retirementsherpa.ca, and get the Sherpa in your life, you know, and just make your life better. I don't know. What are you waiting for? That's all. That's all I have to say. Captain, Captain Sherpa, have a nice day. And you guys, great to see you as always, and uh, maybe I'll come by and try that massage chair out someday. Buddy, you're, you're up next, Tim. I'm serious. And it can, it can accommodate a taller person. It absolutely can. I can make that adjustment for you, all right? Awesome. Well, enjoy and profit at all. Uh, have a great day. All right, my friend. Right, Tim. Right on, brother. Thanks, That's guys. Captain Tim Niblet right there. The Sundays caught him once and he was sniffing my undies. He ain't too what? sharp, but he gets things done. Drinks let's get Dan Duran in here. Like it's oxygen. Let's get out of here. He's my baby and I'm his honey. Never gonna let him go. Down, 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 Dan, Dan, Dan. We'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Dan Duran, Dan Duran. Honey, we're the big door prize. Dandoran, Dandoran. We're gonna Here's to a fella named Dandoran. A hell of a guy with a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchor man comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang, so he don't care And his voice is nice and low 
My voice is nice and low. And today, Dan Duran's news is brought to you by HealthGage.com. The wonder that is the bracelet of life. The HealthGage Phoenix. Humble Fred HG for 15% off at checkout. You know that. Go get this watch already. Humble Fred at what? Check it out. Check it out. Humble Fred HG, 15% off at HealthGage.com. Blood pressure, blood ox, all of it. You're trying to figure out what's going on with your ecosystem, then keep track of it every day as we do. There's the watch. You've seen it. Now go get it yourself. Humble Fred HD now gets you 15% off at healthgage.com. And now, no discounts provided by Dan Duran News. The full 100% news is happening now. Check it out. Planes and space rockets are not getting along. In Florida, the growing number of space launches, particularly from those in the Cape Canaveral area, are screwing up scheduled airline flights. Now, usually airlines know about a rocket launch about two weeks in advance, so they've they've already sold flights way, way in advance of that. So they have to make some uh, alterations to their their flight plans. And air traffic controllers need to clear, uh, when a a rocket is launched, a, a rectangle for the flight. Now, that can be about 40 to several hundred miles long. And after a launch, they keep the area clear for, like the launch only lasts a couple of minutes, but the area has to be clear for 30 to 50 minutes in case debris from the launch falls back to Earth and then, you know, hit an airplane if it was flying in that area so they keep it clear. So a a single space launch can uh, disrupt hundreds of flights uh, and they did a study on the SpaceX heavy fault. And you know the one that, that re- uh, shot a Tesla into space? Yeah. That impacted 563 flights. There was over 4,000 minutes, total minutes of delays, and forced planes to fly an extra 34,000 nautical miles to get around the problem. And as the number of space flights start to increase with space tourism on the rise, they're thinking that this will uh, become even more of a problem. And in other areas where they're starting to launch rockets uh, outside of Florida. Wow. That seems like something. You know, that seems like they need a little more coordination. (laughs) They need to figure it out figure it out yeah i mean you know there's a lot about space flight that they they still aren't really they aren't figuring out because uh you know you you'd think there'd be a court or a constant court or they'd do it you know do this all uh, intelligently but apparently and they launched a tesla into space that one night that got by me i didn't know what was the point of that because uh, Elon Musk wanted to uh, make a point with his uh, his style of rocket at that time, he was because they've been developing these rockets over time. So, so they, where is the Tesla now? Did it come back to Earth, or is it still up there? No, it's it's uh, heading out into the cosmos somewhere. Oh, I get it. Yeah, just right. shot it out there, and um, you know the planet is Zorbo. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was gonna say I, I think they need to for sure as a pilot, let me just weigh in on this. They really should let the planes know when the rockets are being shot into space. I once flew through a uh in a sector where they were skydiving and they did not take kindly to me being in that sector. <laughs> and so what? are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh there's a zone Whose responsibility was that? Mine. Oh, Oh, I got in shit for that. 
But I flew through a zone. It's just outside of uh, Hamilton near Ancaster, I think. I can't remember exactly where it is. But there's, I was going back to Burlington, and I was with a guy who's flying along, just a passenger, a friend of mine. And I said, oh, look, that's something I haven't seen before. He goes, want to go. That's a guy who's like skydiving. Mm-hmm. Like close enough. Like I wasn't close, close, but close enough I could see like, I think that's guy skydiving over there. And then I so landed. No, go ahead. Well, what they do is they close off a zone. You're supposed to fly around it. You're supposed to be nowhere near it. And then when I landed, I uh, heard from the people at the uh, base operation there. They said, did you just fly through so-and-so skydiving zone? I went, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Was that that wrong? (laughs) So, and and how would that... okay, Okay, maybe you just described it, but how would you know? Like, what's the deal? Like... Before your flight, how would you know that, or what? Where was your responsibility? Because, okay, um, there are maps, as you can imagine, okay. that that yes. denote all kinds of things, including no fly zones. Uh, they they have topography on them, and you need to brief. You need to look at that and go, okay, on my route of flight today back from Niagara Falls, right. and I just I had done this a bunch of times, but I said, oh, why don't we? I said, oh, we're on our way back. We've got some time to kill because I had a few minutes left on the plane. I said, let's just go over here, and I didn't realize I had gotten so close to that zone. Right. I, I kind of knew where it was, but I didn't realize it. And again, I sort of looked. I went, oh, I've never seen that before. There's a guy hanging on right. to a chute. And before we land, why? Hey, the dome's open today. Let's do a low <laughs> flyover. How about that? Well, the thing is, like, you're allowed to do, you know, if you let, like, I've flown into the city many times. I've done loops around the tower. You just need to let them know you're doing it. And there's a routine. There's, you know, you're going in one direction. Other planes are going in the other. But I just remember landing and I'm like, uh, you know, you're not supposed to fly through so-and-so drop zone. I'm like, I know that now. Okay. Now so I hear you. If you chopped up a skydiver with the prop, would that bring the plane down, do you think? It would bring everybody down. Yeah, you don't want to fly into anyone. <laughs> Including everybody reading about it in the news. Oh, that's right. Everyone would be bummed. <laughs> like, you can hit you can hit a bird and still fly the plane. Happens all the time. Birds go flying into the windscreens, come crashing into the cockpit, blood and feathers everywhere. But as long as you keep flying the plane, you're fine. It's what people do. Isn't well, like Rummy Rumsfeld or whatever his name in the Hudson River. What was his name? He- Rummy oh. Rumsfeld was his name. <laughs> yeah. Old Rummy. <laughs> That's Older right. He, brought, so, he, brought the, he got the plane down. So Sully, Scullin oh, Sullenberg, right. Sully, old Sully. Rummy Rumsfeld. <laughs> I can't, it was one of those guys. One of Fucking those guys Rummy. The news? <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is my Fred favorite. Makes a good, Fred makes a good point. Like, when you're flying, how would you, like, do you just have to remember from yes. looking at a paper Mac before you took well, off that so you don't fly? Well, yes. You're, like, every time I took you flying, I had an idea. Okay, we're going to take this route. I would brief myself before we go to make sure that, you know, everything. Like, there's... Like, you have to know where there are towers. You need to know the height, the, the altitude sure. restrictions. You can't just, like, you know, up to where you live, Fred... You know, the Brampton Flying Club has a zone around it that that butts Mm -hmm. up against Pearson's, you know, zone. So you need to know that, okay, at this point, I can't wander into their airspace. Yes, I should have known that I was not allowed to fly through a bunch of guys jumping out of airplanes. Uh, The balls that it takes. The the other day, one of those guys like with a lawnmower engine on his back and wings. It's like, where do you? I don't know. Who wants to do that? Uh, not me anymore. I can tell you that. 
I'll go flying again. I would only go flying like with if if Dave Dave has access to a single engine plane. I would go with him. I, I don't think I'm gonna ever bother getting recurrent. Like people always ask me, do you still have a license? I'm like, yeah, I'm always going to be licensed. It's like your driver's license doesn't expire just because you haven't driven a car. The difference in aviation is my license is still valid, but no one's going to put me in an airplane without becoming recurrent. And at this point in my, it would be probably 10 hours. And that's about $2,000. And I don't, to me, it's not worth it. Do you know what I mean? It would cost me a couple grand to get recurrent just so I'd have the ability to go rent an airplane once in a while. So I'm never going to do that again. And every minute up there would be another minute not on a driving range or something. Thank you. Thank you for that perspective. Um, and, anyways, delete, and by and the way, that, 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 the movie of Rummy Rumsfeld is really, really quite good. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. Go ahead. <laughs> Not to belabor the point, but when you enter an area like that, is it on a GPS screen or something in your in your in the cockpit, and then the well, like, yeah, buzzers now, go off if yes, you enter pro- it? Or yes, what? probably. That it, yes, to your point. Yes, they're now with the you know the more advanced planes that I flew. You would look on the the moving map screen and see that oh, I'm I'm entering a restricted zone. Absolutely, would be there. The day that I did that, I wasn't flying a plane with a you know garmin you know uh screen on it i was just i just should have known because i came back from niagara falls and i went back a different way and i found myself you know looking you know it was miles away it was several miles but there was still some guy at a similar altitude floating down like this and i just thought to myself i wonder what he thinks (laughs) what the fuck is he thinking just cut the cords that would be hot and both of us see each other just at the last second. I'm like, I- I'm sorry, buddy. I, uh, I'm really. Oops. You nip all his cords and yeah. then he's in a free fall. But just wow. before he starts free falling, he just looks me in the eyes like, really? You fucking prick. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, Rummy. Rumsfeld. Check your map, you asshole. Uh, Dan, can we uh, count on you for yet another uh, story? Yes, we can. All right. Now with more stories, here's our friend Dan DeRue. A naked man cartoon on a beer label is okay. North Carolina, where such things happen, regulators were wrong to reject a beer label that featured a silhouette of a naked man standing next to a campfire. Federal judge has ruled. The uh, uh, It's a Maryland-based uh, brewery called Flying Dog Brewery, and uh, their freezing season winter ale... I uh, had this this image on, and it was you know not it was really anyway the the uh, it wasn't very much it was like oh okay it's a label whatever but uh, the commission that uh, regulates such alcohol said it was in bad taste and uh, you know said no however mm. the uh, the judge uh, ruled it in favor of the brewery saying you know uh, the uh, whole free speech rights of the flying dog. Uh, and its competitors were fine, and they could put whatever they wanted to on a label. I guess if, it, if this hasn't to do with swearing, but it just has to do with a, a, a depiction of a naked man in front of a campfire. Was it full they, on like a dink and brains type of thing? Was it? I was say it was. <laughs> it was very very small, <laughs> very small cock and balls. So it was very small, but it was like a you know like a, a real cartoon. Yeah. It wasn't like a fancy cartoon. It was like right. a real dirty looking cartoon. All right. Was, uh, I mean, dirty mean it's like in you know, lots of lines. Dan's dink's gonna only be on tall boys. <laughs> I can't yeah. beat you to it. <laughs> but these guys you know, are not not any. Uh, they they have a few other <laughs> lots of very interesting beer names like Raging, Raging Bitch Belgium IPA. 
and flying dog pearl necklace oyster stout. Oh, come on. Oh, that's a mouth. And by the way, a few people who don't really hear what he just keeps yelling cocks and balls into his <laughs> shitty microphone today. Cocks and balls. Stand right. my microphone. Because you never answered me. I sent you a text about an hour ago. I said, what do you think of Fred's mic oh, today? Oh, I thought that was a post show discussion. I sent one too. Okay. Yeah. Well, what did you I, think? I have listened and, and? On, you know, on different. It is a, the other microphone is a better microphone for Fred's voice. Yeah. And this one's all muddy that. again. But it's not it's not outstandingly horrible because oh, okay. you can still hear, you know, on. on I, I just don't think it's as crisp. It's important to be able to hear. Well, I don't think it's as crisp yeah. as he normally is. That's all I'm saying. OK. No, that's, that's so true. I agree. We yeah. got to wrap is things up. Setting on this. Yeah. One? Can we talk after the show? Maybe you can. No, let's do that. Yeah, that's I what I go. thought we were going to do is talk after the show. OK, well, we're going to. This is now the show ending because uh, it's, you know I got a lot of shit to do well Bodog oh yeah I was going to say you still have one more to go I've done the audio for Bodog uh, Dan just hang on a second um, oh, hang it on okay and uh, thanks to Tim Nibble thanks to uh, Bill Brio and tomorrow uh, it's just uh, the three of us and then Boone popping in at the end if you have any we've got a few emails but if you do have any questions about anything you've heard on this program or uh, you've got some thoughts on luncheon meat or aviation issues or anything else, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com is how you get a hold of us. Freddie? Uh, yes, uh, Battle of Alberta starts tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the uh, the Calgary Flames, woo, minus 160. Okay, the over and under is uh, six goals. Uh, so the Battle of Alberta, you know, Calgary is favored to win that series, even though, you know, Edmonton has uh, arguably the best player in the game. So your Edmonton Oilers have uh, they have a big uh, they have a big hill to climb. They really do in this series. Uh, Bodog, as we've told you, has been around since 1994, offering uh, you know sports fans the opportunity to wager not only on major league sports, but of course they have a great uh, poker room. It's all there. Go to Bodog, check it all out. You can wager on pretty much anything you want to, uh, all the major league sports and uh, other other sports, like all over the world. That's your Bodog. And now here with a few closing thoughts and remarks <laughs> is Donald J. Gebert Durant. <laughs> This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, and Hush Blankets, and our newest sponsor, Relaxacare. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, as Howard says, embrace every goddamn day. Listen, like, and subscribe. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow, pulling out and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans Or just clap your hands Or just clap your hands Where's that?